Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Overcast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode, we bring you the latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. We're joined this week's episode by Dr. Tim Keady to discuss various aspects of winter grazing and how it impacts your performance. We discuss the frequency of grass allocation. Tim offers his tips on managing grazing this stage of the year. We discuss the feed value of grass during the winter, the factors that influence it and how it affects your performance by comparison yields being fed on an indoor grass silage based system. Tim offers advice on managing yields in an all winter system and some of the key pitfalls to avoid. Finally, we finish up discussing winter grazing of dry old lambs with Tim highlighting some target weight gains, advice on how to achieve them and why it's important to avoid a setback during this phase of production. We start off, however, with Tim discussing the potential mutual benefits of moving sheep to winter grazing both for the flock owner and for the host farmer. Many sheep farms at this time of the year uh, often move sheep off farms to, off their farm to either other beef or dairy farms to graze out paddocks, or else they'll have built up a reserve of grass that they can extend to graze themselves at their own on their own farm if they're well set up to do so. Tim, like there's a number of advantages to getting sheep off your own farm and even in extended grazing. Briefly, I suppose, could you maybe take us through some of the pros of it? Pros, Kieran, the pros, there's pros both for the person that's sending the sheep and there's also pros for the person that's receiving the sheep. For the guy that's sending the sheep, uh, he can possibly increase his stock carrying capacity. He's able to close his grazing ground that bit earlier so that he'll have grass built up for grazing in the spring, which would be an, a major advantage this year considering the potential price for fertiliser next spring. For the farmer that's receiving the sheep, uh, if their paddocks are poorly grazed out either by finished beef cattle or, or dairy cows that would be too heavy to graze them tight. Uh, the sheep will graze them down to about four, three, three and a half to four centimetres. They'll remove a lot of the dead material. They'll give an opportunity to new regrowth and improve tillering. So next year when the grass starts to grow, it'll be high quality, high feed value herbage, either for grazing or for producing high feed value grass silage in early to mid-May. Look, with 10 of the two scenarios, you touched another one there where you have grass built up on your own farm and it really falls into the more traditional version of extended grazing, which is slightly different as well. Yes, Kieran. Uh, traditionally, extended grazing is slightly different in that the sheep farmer has predetermined a set target that he's going to build up grass by closing a set amount of paddocks for grazing during the winter period instead of housing them and feeding them grass silage. That'll depend on his stocking rate and also depend on other issues, particularly rainfall, how successful it is. We've undertaken studies in, in, in the recent past which showed that the maximum stock carrying capacity on farms that extend the graze would be about 10 years per hectare per year. And the, the, re, the two limiting times of the year for grass in them farm situations is in the autumn time because they have a certain amount of paddocks closed for building up grass for extended grazing, and they also have lambs on the farm that need to be finished and the yards need to be flushed or got ready for joining the ram. And the second period that grass can be relatively tight on the farm is next April and May when the sheep are after lambing and they're waiting for the grass to return or to grow on the paddocks that have been extended grazed. But I think a key issue that, effect, that affects the success of extended grazing on the farm is the amount of prevailing rainfall. And when we look at the 30-year average for rainfall, both in Athenry and Oak Park, the 30-year average for rainfall in Athenry would be about 1,150 millimetres, where down in Oak Park in Carlow and Wexford, it's about 780 millimetres. And ground conditions will have major impact on both utilisation, but more importantly, on sward deterioration. In our studies, we found that if you had heavy covers of grass built up, 
and you did damage, treading damage when you were trying to graze them out. It resulted in a deterioration of sward quality by the reduction in premium ryegrass concentration and increase in other desirable grasses such as fescues uh, and coxfoot. That is one of the challenges, Tim. You're very subject to the weather. Dry or winter, you'll get a lot better utilisation and a lot better run on it, see well than the wet one. Look, I want to come on to the feed value part for the moment, but just in terms of management of that grass, for those that are going away to grazing, even for those on your own farm with extended grazing, does the frequency of allocation matter? And should they consider splitting some of them fields, particularly when they go away to grazing? I, I, it doesn't really matter if I start firstly, Kieran, by answering your question. We did a number of studies a few years ago where we looked at the frequency of allocation. And we found that in our studies where we allocated herbage every day or as twice weekly, we found no effect on the amount of herbage that was consumed by the animals or on the U body condition score, the U's or on lamb birth weight or subsequent lamb performance. So I think that in terms of that kind of a study, that you're better off just to uh, allocate it every two, every, twice weekly uh, or every five days because the big, the big uh, cost in allocating, frequently allocating grass is actually labour and this can be very time consuming. To answer your question about if you're going out onto someone else's farm, be it a dairy or beef farm, I think ideally you would move the sheep every five to seven days. And the reason I say that is that firstly, the sheep are getting a fresh supply of grass uh, fairly frequently, either five or seven days, rather than letting them just run over the whole area. But more importantly for the farm that they're going out to graze on, that they can close that farm in rotation and for the next spring that he's got paddocks coming back in rotation and help to improve his grazing management subsequently. Look, apart from the cost saving potentially dividing housing and getting that grass, Tim, in terms of the impact it has on you, how does that feed value compare to a house scenario? Like, how does it rank relative to high quality silage? Well, a number of years ago, when we did our first studies on extended grazing, we found that uh, if you extend the grazing use, uh, they got uh, lambs with high, they produced lambs with a higher birth weight uh, at lambing compared to use that were housed on Jordan. And for example, if you extend the graze, only during mid-pregnancy, and then you house them, you increase lamb birth weight by about 0.2 of a kilo. If they extend graze during late pregnancy, you increase lamb birth weight by about 0.4 of a kilo. But if you left them out for the full pregnancy, you increase lamb birth weight of 0.7. And while I'm talking here about lamb birth weight, lamb birth weight is a very important uh, measure because our data clearly shows that each kilo you increase lamb birth weight you will increase weaning rate by about 3.1 kilos. So, for example, in extended grazing, where you increase lamb birth weight by 0.7 of a kilo, you increase weaning weight by 2.1 kilos. Why did this uh, response occur? This response occurred because we believe it wasn't down to an improvement in the feed value of the grass that the animals were actually consuming. It was actually down to the animals outdoors being able not suffering from heat stress and being able to dissipate body heat. Uh, whereas indoors, if they were in a, a warm shed, often in late spring, prior in late pregnancy, you will she- see the sheep under heat stress. And if they're under heat stress, they'll have a lower voluntary food intake and they'll produce lighter lambs. You asked me the question there about what is the feed value of this material? Well, it's like everything else. It depends on a number of factors. And the two clear, clean, clear factors that affects the feed value of extended grazed herbage. And by feed value, I'm talking about both intake characteristics and digestibility. 
the, the factor that's going to affect uh, intake characteristics is the amount that's available. So if you're grazing out there, you're going to limit their intake. But in terms of digestibility or metabolizable energy concentration, the earlier you close the paddock for grazing and the later that you graze the paddock, them two factors affect the dry matter digestibility. So for example, if you close the paddock, uh, we'll say in mid in beginning of October, and you're grazing that in mid-December, that will probably have a digestibility of about 70 to 72% DMD, which in my mind is the same as average feed value grass silage. Whereas if you're grazing it out in mid-January, we're still closing the 1st of October, grazing it out in mid-January, the digestibility will be gone as low as 65 to 66% DMD. So now you're going down to low feed value grass silage. And that feed value is declining because of two reasons. The first reason is, you're getting a big accumulation of dead material at the butt of the sward. And we find are found in heavy covers that dead material at the butt of the sward can account for up to 30% of the herbage dry matter content to that sward. And secondly, and it's hard to believe it, but even during January in the cold weather, that the plant is beginning to mature because of the bulk and you're getting a bit of stem elongation, which will actually decrease digestibility. We've also done a number of studies which will look at the effect of grass allowance and we've compared it to what would occur indoors if they're being fed grass silage. And that the, res- the response that we get depends on the stage of pregnancy. And for example, we found that where yos are consuming about 0.9 kilos of average feed value grass silage, they will give you the same performance in terms of body condition score and also lamb birth weight as yos outdoors that would be getting an allowance of 1.6 to 1.8 kilograms of dry matter per hectare per day. Just to touch on your earlier points, Tim, I assume that difference in performance and birth weight that you see disappears if you shear the mules indoors. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yes. If you can get the same response indoors by shearing the yews uh, in, 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 in mid-pregnancy, about eight weeks prior to lambing, yes, that will result in the same response. And also that if you do have the sheep indoors and you produce a higher feed value grass silage, then you get a combination of the effect of silage digestibility and shearing the yews, which will produce uh, yos lambing down in good body condition, lambs with good birth weight, uh, good mothering ability yos, good survivability in the lambs, and a lot less labour involved trying to get milk into the lambs post lambing. We'll come to some of the other management aspects in a moment, but just, and you touched on this already, extended grazing in late pregnancy, how late, Tim, would you go with it? And that feed value, I know you touched on it. Does it get a little bit risky yeah, that you're actually going can go, you can go right throughout the year because the system studies that we'd have done previously went and we did them both in Nafeg and we did them in Athenry. And we also did them on commercial farms. We were able to go throughout pregnancy, but it depends. If you take an example where a farmer prefers to lamb outdoors, he's got two next spring and he's decided to lamb, to lamb late starting with, say, in late March and going out, uh, mid, mid to late March and going out to mid to late April. He's two choices. He can either house them now in mid-pregnancy and turn them out to grass that has been built up where he's closed off, we say, in early to mid-November, and they've got high digestibility grass for the last six weeks of pregnancy. Or he can keep them grazing now and then house them. Uh, we've done studies where we've housed, we've housed them for six weeks in, in mid-pregnancy, turned them out to pasture, give them an allocated uh, grass allowance for and the allocation that they got varied how many weeks they were out from expected lambing date and what was their expected litter size uh, which was determined by scanning the yews and we found in them situations where they were using single or twin bearing yews that were able to manage the yews very effectively 
to produce very respectable lamb birth weights without giving any concentrated supplementation. But the key scenario here is stocking rate and having a good supply of high quality grass uh, of grass available for grazing in uh, February and March next year. It Did should you... be noted as well that a lot of farms, like you take the average that are size on lowland farms in Ireland today, it's about 1.39. And if you look back over the last 50 odd years, the weaning rate or, or the number of lambs where per you joint has not changed much. It's always between 1.3 and 1.4. What I'm trying to say here, there's an awful lot of flocks scanning with 1.6, 1.7, but most of the sheep producing singles or twins, very few triplets. And if your lamb leaves outdoors, uh, it reduces a lot of labour in that you're not moving them from the shed out to the field or you're not having to clean out lambing pins. And if you have a well-managed system where the, uh, where the yards aren't heavily stocked, you can lamb them outdoors, have them spread out. You spread them out a few days prior to expecting lambing date. And as they're lambing, you remove them from their lambing fields into the fields that they're supposed to be going to. Tim, maybe just to bring it back to President, touching some aspects you already mentioned, from a management point of view, particularly for those sending ewes away to grazing, is there any other things you consider as a ewes you wouldn't send away for? Oh, well, if you, if you have any doubts about ewes in bad health, you're better off to have them around your own farm so you can keep an eye on them and also where you're sure that you've got good handling facilities for looking after them. But I suppose an important issue is you want to have sheep with relatively good mouths in them so they can graze the grass. You want to have them in relatively good body conditions for. You don't want to send away lame yews because how are you going to treat them if they're on a dairy bee farm, particularly if they won't have any foot batting facilities. And you'd like to, you have to keep an eye on such things as a fluke and other issues like that. Tim, we talked a lot about managing the pregnant yew in extended grazing and winter grazing. What about the replacement yew lamb, particularly in the case of where she's dry? Does the management of them during this winter have an impact on their performance next year? And what would you recommend? Yes, I think it'll be the same cure whether you're going to manage your, your, your replacements outdoors or whether you manage them indoors. You want to have got a good growth rate or an acceptable growth rate or gain and body gain. We would have set a target of about 50 to 80 grams per, per your lamb per day because our other studies would show that the rate of performance during the first winter impacts on body size but also impacts on the um, number of lambs reared per ewe joint for the subsequent, uh, for the second and third gestation. We undertook a study a number of years ago where we extended grazed your lambs and we get them different allowances where we varied from 0.75 to 1.25 to 1.75 kilograms of herbage dry matter per ewe per day. And we found that at 0.75, the yews the actually lost body weight during the winter, they were losing about 10 grams per lamb per day. But where they got uh, up to 1.75 kilograms of herbage allowance, they, got, they gained 84 grams per day. But the big issue is that the higher your herbage allowance, the lower is going to be your stock carrying capacity per hectare of ground. We also in that study put in a, a concentrate supplement uh, treatment where we, at the lower herbage allowance, we gave them a half a kilo concentrate supplement and they got the same animal performance as the ones on the high herbage allowance. In other words, a half kilo concentrate per head per day had the same response as saving one kilogram of herbage dry matter, which increased your stock carrying capacity, maintained your animal performance, and you got good replacements for the next spring. I think as well that your winter management of your replacement here, and the reason we want to get respectable growth rates is that during the second summer, 
they do not compensate fully for any hardship that they put up in the first winter. The compensation of maximum is about 60%. So you can't afford to have low levels of performance for a protracted period during the first winter. So you really need to avoid that setback. And I suppose, Tim, the key thing there is in a scenario where that grazing might be tight, you really need to ration out and look a supplement. Yeah, you need to decide how many grazing days you have, what is your herbage availability, determine how much you're going to give per day and ensure that you're going to get the level of performance required of about 80 grams per lamb per day and if necessary, supplement to concentrate or make alternative arrangements to either the house to your replacement and feed them silage indoors or else move them to another farm where you've got grass available. Tim, great having you on. Good update at the moment, so it is. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Kieran. We're going to finish the episode up at this point. Tim has highlighted a lot of key areas with that winter grazing system. One to pay attention is monitoring your condition, being careful it doesn't drop, particularly in situations where grazing conditions become more difficult or grass supply becomes more limited. Early intervention is key in those scenarios. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from our sheep programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chaga Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen in to any of our episodes.